feel the Lord pulling at my heart and be like, if you say you love me and you say you're following me, like, is this that big of a deal? Right. And this one, I think I was, yeah, I think I was like 23 and I was like, this is, this is embarrassing now. <laughs> um, but I was sitting up one night talking to one of the pastors on the trip and I was like, Hey, this is going to sound weird, but would you possibly be interested in baptizing me? And he was like, what? Oh, of course. Absolutely. You want to go now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> I was like 10.30 at night. If you're like me, you have a heart for missions and may have already done some missions work yourself, but you also see some huge issues in the way missions are being done. Like, why are we still sending out monthly newsletters in a digital age when technology allows for instant updates in the palm of your hand? Or why are we convinced that we need to raise two years support before going when all 12 disciples dropped what they were doing and walked away? Or why are we allowing denominations to decide who can and cannot go do what God is calling them to do just because of things they've done in their past? And at what point did we brand following Christ to be a life of scarcity and sacrifice when it's truly a life of abundance and privilege? These are some of the glaring questions in the missions world today. Watch Missions Live is here to reshape the way you see missions. It's time for missionaries to rise up, create a shift in perspective, a change, a revolution in the way things are done and give you the real story. One of abundance, fulfillment, and privilege. My name is Aaron Jennings and welcome to Watch Missions Live. Hey, welcome back to Watch Missions Live. This is episode two with Evan Brazel, Brazel and we're talking about her mission trip to Honduras this time. Welcome back, Evan. Hi, I'm excited to be back. Thanks again for having me for a second go here. Of course. And very close with the name. I'll accept it. So, <laughs> so close. So I think I got it on the first episode. We'll see if I get it on the third because we're yeah. going to have it back Two in the that. That's right. <laughs> so Honduras, how, tell us about the trip. Like, what was it? What were you doing? So the trip was wonderful. Um, I have gone two separate times now. Um, there is an organization here in LaGrange called Live, or a lot of it is here in LaGrange called Living Hope for Honduras. Um, and I went with them and they um, now have an orphanage there. Um, it's a really, it's a girl's home. That's probably the better wording for it. Um, in Honduras, there are is a lot more of shelters and homes like that for boys than there are for girls. So this organization started to um, build one for them. Then they also have a farm where they get a lot of stuff from there and then um, work through all that in different places in the community in Guilaco. Um, but it is it's really just amazing. And so we got to go down and see a lot of that in action and help work on that, um, the girls' home, and build some of the stuff there and do different stuff around town. So. Okay, awesome. So you went down to help with the girls' home. Who did you go with? Was this with like a church or something or just on your own? Yes. So Living Hope for Honduras is a pretty cool in that it's not like one specific church that does it. It is um, comes together with um, – there's people from First Baptist in LaGrange that do it, and then the Church of Christ in LaGrange, Broad Street Church of Christ, I believe is their actually official name, and then a couple of churches in Texas. Different um, people work together for those through and come together and have formed Living Hope for Honduras. Um, and so I go to First Baptist in LaGrange um, and met some people through there. One of my good friends is helps a lot with Living Hope. Um, and so I have just always had a heart for missions and I love to travel. So she's like, you should try coming one time. 
Um, and I signed up. I went with, um, I think she was the only other person I knew going on the trip. And it was a bunch of like families. And I'm 25. And well, at that time, I think I was like 23. Um, just signed up to go by myself. But it was a great time. And then I went again the next summer when I was 24. So Nice. So how long yeah. was the trip? Um, it, both trips were about 10 days, I believe. So we, um, it fortunately is only like a three or four hour flight from here. So it didn't take too much travel time and then got on a little bus. Once you get there, Honduran traffic is like no other. You think traffic here is bad around the holidays or whatever time, but it's, it's fairly crazy down there. So we've, we've spent some time in Katali, Kenya and Thailand and Burma and stuff. And the traffic is wild. I get it. Yeah. No rules. They just go wherever they want. <laughs> That's right. The rule is the car can do whatever it wants on the road and you need to get out of the way. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. And yep. if they're honking, you just die for it and get out. <laughs> go. Right. Get. That was one of the memorable things about Katali, Kenya, is they would come flying into town and not even slow down. There's people all over crossing the streets and they just start laying on the horn. They don't even slow down. <laughs> and you see people yeah. just running out of the street and it's like, that's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just the accepted thing yep that's just the way oh, it is. everybody in the street knows get out they're honking <laughs> it gives you a lot more patience for drivers when you come back right. and you're like hey this isn't so bad after all <laughs> right <laughs> like they honk for different reasons but, <laughs> so you went down to help with the girls home what all were you doing there at the girls home like specifically were you out doing stuff on the streets or rebuilding things or what um, so the first time I went, well, it's kind of a combo. Um, in the mornings we got to do, go to different schools around there and do a VBS type of stuff. Um, so we learned, uh, Papa Abraham, which is Father Abraham. Um, and we did all kinds of different fun stuff like that and crafts and, um, brought snacks for the kids there. And then in the afternoons we would go work with the girls home. Um, the first trip, it was under construction a lot more, so we submitted um, cinder blocks up for one of the walls, which yep. I've learned I'm pretty good at, if I do say so myself, <laughs> <laughs> and um, did a lot on the just like foundation type of construction with that one, and then really cool, by the time I went back the second time, the, tr the girls' home was almost complete, so we did a lot of the same BBS stuff in the morning, which is also cool, because I still remembered the songs. Right. Um, and I could see how some of the kids had grown and they would remember us and stuff like that, which is fun. Um, and then in the afternoon we would go back and do some more like cleanup work and there was girls living in the home then. So it was extremely amazing to be able to go back and see, um, how like all of our hard work from before and donations and stuff like that had paid off. And it was changing 12 girls lives cause they had this home and loving parents now and a life that they never could have dreamed of before so mm -hmm. so when they're on the streets <clears throat> excuse me let's talk about that for just a second because on the streets in america is quite a bit different and for a lot of people that have never left the u.s they may not understand how big of an impact this is because and i haven't been to honduras but in kenya they're literally on the streets on the streets and nobody helps them I mean, there's just kids roaming around. They got to find their own food, find their own place to stay. And most businesses and things will like beat them and try to run them off just for being around. And the police don't help them and put them somewhere. The police will beat them to keep them off the streets or they will throw them in jail 
And jail is a concrete, basically like a basement in the United States. Four concrete walls, a concrete uh, floor, no bedding or anything. And they just put five gallon buckets across the wall and that's the bathroom and they just leave them down there. So when they get these homes, like what you're talking about, to actually be able to go somewhere, it's a massive, massive life-changing thing. Whereas, you know, in the United States, if a kid's on the street, we're going to take them in and they're going to have more than they, they were ever, you know, ever would have been able to get, for sure. So tell us what that situation's like in Honduras, you know, that switch for them. Um, very, very good question. So that... Um, and that will break your heart like no other. Um, and the first time going to a third world country for anybody, anybody that you talk to, they just like will explain it the same way, regardless of wherever it is, is that it is just jaw dropping and humbling and just doesn't just break your heart. Like it smashes it into pieces. Um, but one of, as for Honduras in particular, um, one of the most shocking things to me was how corrupt the government was. Mm -hmm. um, so I know you said a lot about Kenya. They, um, they, they would get arrested, but I feel like, and at least where we were in Gualaca, like, I feel like a lot of the times the police didn't even care. Like they were just very irrelevant to what was happening. Um, and there out of Honduras, there's a huge drug problem. It's where a lot of stuff is grown and tried to ship out to wherever they want it to go. Um, and so that is the main concern of all the police and political stuff. Um, and there's a lot of corrupt stuff within there about how they're getting stuff in and out and stuff like that and where all the money is coming from. Um, like if you, when you're driving down the road, if you see a big, nice house, then the only thing that you, it, the only two assumptions of who lives in there is a soccer player or a political official. Or a government official. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, that just like gives you an idea of how the money is just all piled in there because it all comes from the soccer and the drugs. Um, so as far as how that relates to the homeless population, especially within the children is they, they just don't even care. I don't think they care enough to arrest them. They don't care enough to run them off, but they also like don't care enough to look at them more than like if it was a stray dog. You right. see, yeah, you'll see, you'll go down the corner and you can see a stray dog there with their ribs hanging out and the child sitting next to it that looks exactly the same way. Yep, um, same attention. Yes, uh -huh. and nobody's phased whatsoever. Nobody bats an eye because everybody, that's their life. And a lot of them might have lived that, but a lot of them have relatives or something that have ended that same way. So to come out of that and even even if you're in a home and you're not um, in like a homeless situation or your family is all piled in one little thing or something like that, then it's probably a house that leaks. It's probably dirt. I definitely has dirt floors. Um, and there's who knows how many people piled in it and you don't have enough food and your parents are in and out and this or that. Um, so to come from whatever those situations are to a house that is, um, amazingly built it's beautifully painted one of the girls that goes down there it is an amazing artist and there's the most beautiful illustrations of like all kinds of bible stories all over every wall um and there's a house mom two house moms that rotate in and out that are just there loving on the kids and are loving on the girls and showing them what it looks like to have a mom and that is something that like i don't even think they could have dreamed of because they didn't even know that it existed 
Because even right. even what they would dream of is not yeah. even half of that. Yeah, your dreams are limited by what you've seen. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. know, you learn what's around you. So yeah, it's I, I like to get into that a little because I like people here to understand. Like it's not the same in other places. And if you've never been out, it's the best thing you can do because a lot of these people, even in those situations, it's like they understand the gratitude of life and they look at what they have so much more thankfully than a lot of us do here just because we take it for granted. Mm -hmm. and so it's always good to like know the situation and understand it, not just to pull on your heartstrings, make you feel bad, but to see, cause you learn so much from these people. You know, I've told the story mm -hmm. before, but I was walking with a kid in Kenya and we didn't have shoes and we're walking the dirt, dirt, uh, dirt road. And he asked if we walked a lot in the United States. And I was like, I felt bad. I was like, no, we're lazy, man. We drive everywhere. We have cars, we have roads, we drive everywhere. Everybody's got a car. A lot of people have two. And I was, you know, he could tell I felt bad about this because I'm walking with them, you know, yeah. and like felt bad that we had so much and they had so little. And, but he like stopped walking and stopped me. And he's like, don't feel bad and lazy because you're using what God's given you. He gives us feet, we walk. He gave you cars, you should drive it. I was like, oh my oh. goodness. I was like, if you've listened to these episodes, you've heard this story a few times because this it's just, it was a life changer for me. But you learn from them. It's not just a sympathy story. You uh -huh. can learn so much because the, the amount of gratitude they have for what mm -hmm. they have, no matter how small it is, is they teach us. <laughs> they really do. And, and just like their, their appreciate, like you said, their appreciation and their humility and their dependence on God. Like it, um, they turn to God first for everything. And that's just their first jump and how they, how they think in the way that's ingrained. And we turn to our technology and our abilities first for everything. I feel like, yeah, how can um, I do this? Uh huh. How can you fix it? And then when you're like, Oh, I don't know what I can do. Then you're like, let me see what God can do. Right. And it's just a completely different mindset and a completely different culture. And it's something that like, I feel like every believer needs to experience so that you can see what God created us to be. Cause they're, they're living a different kind of life with Jesus. And I feel like that is what life to the full looks like. Um, whereas what we have, it may seem like we're living life to the full, like it says in John 10, 10, but in reality, we're living the material life to the full. Yes. And they're living the life that you talked about. Right. Exactly. So I think God's working on both directions on those, on those situations. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, now it's God story time. <laughs> I always <laughs> like to pull out a God story or a God sentence, right? Something uh -huh. from Honduras. It can be either trip, but you know, a story of you saw God move in a way that people wouldn't hear about unless they run into you or they were there. Okay, so I'm actually excited that you asked this question. Um, the last episode, as soon as you asked it, I was like, ah. And then as when we were talking earlier, I was like, I know exactly what I need to say. And I had to stop myself from buttoning in earlier and saying it. Um, so you were talking about how these trips a lot of times change you and how it's something that we need to see and this and that. Um, and the first time I went, I... Um, backstory i was like the good little christian girl growing up grew up i think i mentioned this earlier too grew up in this little what you classify as the perfect little suburban lifestyle and all this stuff my family went to church and everything 
probably got saved when I was like three and a half. You know how it is. Right. Um, I had the same. Uh-huh. Yeah. But my mother being a little wise and knowing that a three and a half year old probably doesn't fully grasp the gospel, um, said, Hey, you should wait to get baptized until you're older and you understand what's happening. Um, but then it became this thing where I was more concerned about what other people thought of who I was and the kind of Christian I was than probably the kind of Christian that I really was. Right. Um, and so I became a teenager and everybody knew I was a little good girl and I didn't want to get baptized because I thought that people would be like judging me and thinking like, oh, well, didn't she already say she loved Jesus? Why hasn't she been baptized right. yet? And so nobody knew it at all, but it was this like secret internal battle with myself because I felt the Lord like telling me to do that. And I was so concerned about what other people would think that I didn't want to do it. And I know that that was a huge hang up in my faith for a long time. And I was very stagnant in my faith for a long time. So fast forward to my first trip to Honduras. Um, I see people living, like I said, life to the full and people living with their heart out for the Lord and just have, they don't care what people think and they don't hear anything else because they know Christ and they know his love for them and they know their dependence on him and they're genuinely happy and they're living a life that like, like we talked about, they couldn't dream of living a life in an orphanage or in this girl's home with a mother that loves them because they never saw of it. Like I couldn't dream of living the life they had because all I saw around me was people that lived a material lifestyle and were absorbed about what other people thought and saw. And so I went on that trip and I saw them living like that. And the whole time I could feel the Lord saying, Hey, you need to get baptized. Like, this is what you need to do. And I was still, I'm so embarrassed by this. I was still just too caught up in myself. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't know anybody else on the trip except for the one girl. Um, and so I was just a little bit on edge and I kind of ignored it. And I'm, I hate that I did, but I'm embarrassed about it. But I ignored it, and I we were I never forget riding back to the airport. I like had the perfect moment, and I ignored it. <laughs> and so then uh, the whole entire year, I felt guilty about it. Still didn't do anything about it, but I felt really guilty. I went back on the next trip, and the same thing. I could just feel the Lord pulling at my heart and be like, "If you say you love me and you say you're following me, like, is this that big of a deal?" Right. And this one, I think I was yeah, I think I was like 23, and I was like this is this is embarrassing now um but I was sitting up one night talking to one of the pastors on the trip and I was like hey this is gonna sound weird but would you possibly be interested in baptizing me and he was like what oh of course absolutely you want to go now yeah, exactly. so I was like well I was like 10 30 at night so maybe not but um we sat there and talked about it a little while and he asked like why I wanted to and then we talked about how I hadn't before and I kind of told him everything I just said about how this is probably a huge hiccup in my faith and something that I've been stumbling over for a long time but like you go and you see how life with Jesus is supposed to look like and how we are just so caught up in the materialism and the competition and comparison and stuff like that. And it's the comparison is thief of joy. Um, and that is something that I really want to do. And so sure enough, we got up at 6am the next morning, went down to the Creek <laughs> and I was, bad, yeah, I was baptized there and it was absolutely wonderful. And I hate myself for not doing it earlier, but that's just like a huge way that I see God 
working in me more than he probably worked in anybody that I went on that trip with or anybody that I talked to on that trip. So Right. There's, it's so funny how we build that stuff up in our minds. Because everybody around you is just like, oh, if she went and got baptized, I mean, it would make sense. Yeah. And you're like, everybody's going to think I'm nuts. <laughs> yeah, if you hype it up to be such a huge deal or something like that, and it's just not. But you, I feel like, I don't know, if you go on these trips and you see how people live and you're just brought back down to the simplicities of life. Yep. And it's funny because, like, the people around you, you know, most likely you're hanging around with other Christian people, especially on the mission trip like that. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, I know because I've been the one where people say, this is going to sound a little weird or maybe not, I don't know, but, you know, like you were saying, it may going to sound a little uh -huh. weird if you baptize me. But then from my side, I'm like, why was that weird? That's freaking awesome. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, uh, that's always that's, the response. <laughs> yes, that's exactly how he was. He was like, what? Absolutely. I would love to. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, something about it. You just get in your own head, I guess. Yep. Yep. So don't worry, though, you're not alone. <laughs> all <laughs> of us do it at some point, and all of yeah. us will do it if you think you haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, hopefully somebody listening to this will be able to relate, and maybe maybe that'll give them the courage to be like, hey, it's okay, it's not a little weird. That's right. For all of you sitting around wondering the exact same thing, it's time to stop. The rest yeah. of us are going to think it's awesome. <laughs> yes, I promise it's not weird. <laughs> Well, cool, cool. Thanks for wrapping up a second episode with us. It's been fun. Absolutely. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, now we get to do it again because we still get to talk about Haiti. So for those of you who don't know, if you're missing it, we're uh, doing three episodes with Evan Brazel. And we got one already, Young Life, High School Outreach. This is episode two with Honduras. And episode three is going to be Haiti. So hang around for that one and catch all three of them. Thanks for coming in, Evan, and giving us your time. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me, and I am excited for episode three. All right. Here we go. We'll see you guys on episode three. Hey, thank you for your time. Please remember to rate and subscribe. After being a full-time missionary, I got tired of people looking at me like it must be really hard to do what you do. And they'd say things like, I'd love to be able to do something like that, but insert excuse when the real reason was because they saw what we were doing as a sacrifice. That to do missions work, they would have to give up everything that quite honestly was forcing them to do things they didn't like for people they couldn't stand so they could afford things that they didn't need. The truth is, as full-time missionaries, it was one of the few times in my life when I was truly fulfilled. It was the closest to God I'd ever been. Debt-free, not stressed, and living the life of an adventure I'd always wanted. If you too believe that it's time for a change, then head over to watchmissionslive.com and join the revolution.